We're going to go to First uh, Kings chapter 3. As you're turning there, I'll just give you just a little bit of background to what's coming in this chapter. In First Kings chapter 2, King David has died and Solomon is now on the throne of Israel. As we enter into chapter 3, Solomon marries the Egyptian Pharaoh's daughter as a means of bringing peace. And he has now brought her to Jerusalem. This is probably not Solomon's first wife, more than likely his second or third. But verse 3 of chapter 3 records that Solomon loved the Lord and he was walking in the ways of his father David. So this is younger Solomon, early in his reign as king, still having not received the awful advice that he's going to eventually receive. His heart is still very fixed on God. And these verses, verses 3 and 4, also record that Solomon offered sacrifices. It actually says a thousand sacrifices were offered. So at this point, Solomon's training was guiding him. I don't know exactly what life was like for Solomon. I don't know exactly what he saw as he watched his father, because there were certainly issues and problems. But I do believe that if you're going to watch your father and God's description of your father is he's a man after my own heart, that that would be a reasonable place to look to actually understand what a relationship with God was supposed to be. And early in his being king, that's what Solomon was doing. He was very guided by the training that he had received. He was following what he knew and he was responding based on how he had been trained And it was that training and that experience before God that makes the following verses possible. Because this is highly, highly unusual. What is fixing to happen in these next verses is one of these that's kind of like, I don't know exactly how it happened. I don't know exactly how this could occur, but I'll tell you this for certain. If Solomon wasn't a man who loved God, If Solomon wasn't a guy who had expected to have a relationship with God, this would have been totally discounted and would have been of no effect. But we begin tonight in verse 5, 1 Kings 3, verse 5. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. All of this is a dream. And again, this is how we know that Solomon's heart had to be positioned for this moment. I share that because so many times we miss the encounters with God because our heart is not in a position to receive these moments. Our hearts are fascinated with something else, carrying something else, interested in something else, and because of that, we miss these moments. It's not that they don't occur, it's that we miss them. Here's Solomon, and it says God came to him in a dream by night. So all that we're fixing to read occurred during this dream. It changes the perspective a little bit. It changes the nature of what was going on because this wasn't just a prayer and an encounter that Solomon was having, awake and talking to God. This all happened in a dream. And God said in this dream, ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, thou hast shown unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth, and in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, 
Thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. And then listen to this carefully. Because this is King Solomon's response. When God says, I want you to tell me what you want. As king, what do you want most? And Solomon's response, again, how much training this would take. How much preparation spiritually this would take for God to say that to us. For God to say, ask me anything that you want. And for us to have in that moment the ability to respond to that in a way that would please the heart of God. Again, all I'm trying to express is this is a moment of real magnitude before the Lord. This has significance written all over it. It should speak openly to us that if we don't have that, if we don't have these moments before the Lord, there's something missing, and this is generally what it is. What does Solomon say next? Let me go back in the beginning of 7 again. And now, O Lord, my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or to come in. What was the first thing that, that Solomon had to learn before the Lord for this moment to make any difference? I have to know who I am in relationship to who you are. Solomon says, I have nothing to bring to this. I may be a grown man and I may be king. But knowing how to bring blessing on these people, knowing how to lead these people, knowing how to be an example for these people, to give any guidance to these people, I am absolutely useless because before you, I'll tell you, as God is my witness, he says, I'm, I'm like a little child. I don't know how to go out and I don't know how to come in. The confession of Solomon's heart has got to be the confession of our heart. If greatness is going to come, if true difference is going to come, if we're not only going to go into the world to make a difference, but we're going to do what God says, to go into the world and actually make disciples, if that's going to occur, and if greatness is going to come, and I tell you, we as a people have almost ruled out the reality that God says, I am speaking greatness over you. We have learned and almost been trained to remove the expectation of great blessing on our life. We don't even know how to handle God's favor. We know a little bit about how to handle the humility, but we do not know yet well, and I have a sermon coming, and I don't know exactly when it's going to come, about how to live in this blessed lifestyle without it leading to arrogance and without it leading to some of the things that we typically see and that we typically live. But God has designed us. Matter of fact, there's scripture after scripture that tells us this, that we are people designed to be blessed by God through all aspects of our life. But the key to it is to recognize this as Solomon does. He says, God, what you have set before me, I truly don't have a clue. This is my editorial comment. If you're not overwhelmed by the assignment that God gave you, I don't care what it is. If you're not overwhelmed by it right now sitting here, you don't yet fully understand what God's called you to. The ministry, five at five, how's that feel? Overwhelming. To think about all the pieces for, the, for that to work. Max truly understands what God has called him to. Most of us sitting here have reduced God's call on our life to something we can manage. That's not true for anybody here. For the nursery worker who took care of me when I was little, I don't know if she fully understood the responsibility that she had or the ladies have back there right now. The responsibility may seem very small. It's not small at all because they're setting in, their, in the hearts of these children something powerful before God. Every call 
every purpose should absolutely overwhelm us. And if it doesn't, we haven't yet grasped what God has asked us to do. Every single time, it is that significant. He goes on, verse 8, And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Began in a dream. God says, I want to give you whatever you want. It's amazing to me a little bit that we look at that and say how odd that is, that God would offer that to Solomon. But I want you to listen to these three verses. I want your perspective on this to shift a little bit. Here's the first one in Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. What is God saying? Ask me what you want. What I've put on your heart, I want you to ask me for. I want you to be able to come into this moment just as Solomon did because I'm laying it open in front of you. I want you to ask me what's on your heart. Second, John chapter 15, verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Does that sound similar to what God was telling Solomon? Here we find it in the New Testament spoken to us as believers as Jesus was speaking. 1 John chapter 5 verse 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. What he did for Solomon should not in our lives be unusual. I'm not saying it's commonplace. I'm not saying that it's something that we do casually. But I want to tell you we don't know yet how to live and put these three verses into reality Because we would do what Solomon would typically do when God says that in a dream, we'd wake up and say, I had a strange dream. Let me tell you what God asked me and then blow it off. But Solomon knew in this dream, he responded as in something that really pleased God. I love this. It pleased God. The speech pleased the Lord. What did God hear when Solomon began to speak? He heard the heart of Jesus when Jesus said in John 5, 19, without the father, I can do nothing. It's exactly the same heart he heard from Solomon. I'm but a child. I can't lead this great of people. And it pleased God. But the key I want you to get tonight is if we were to say, how is Solomon recognized? His great what? We know know he had a lot of money. We know he had a lot of wives. But when we think of Solomon, he had great what? Wisdom. What was the key to that wisdom? And as much as I would like to say the humility that we find here, that's simply what put him in a place to receive the gift that God's fixing to give him. The gift that God is going to give him is the key to his wisdom. It's the key that unlocks us as well, whether it be wisdom or anything else. This is the key. He said this, I want you to give me an understanding heart. Solomon asked for more than great knowledge. He he wanted understanding and he wanted it in his heart. He didn't want it in his mind He says, I want it in my heart. This is how we we can understand it was wisdom. The strange part is that the Hebrew word translated understanding is literally the word hearing. H-E-A-R-I-N-G. He asked for a hearing heart. There will never be wisdom. There will never be intercession. 
There will never be obedience. There will never be great faith. There will never be transformed lives if we don't recognize that a hearing heart, one that can hear the voice of God, one that can recognize God, one that has this place before God, if we don't have a hearing heart, it will never lead to those things. If he said, I want knowledge, it would have never led to what he wanted. If he would have said, I want, to, I want great wealth, it would have never led to what Solomon truly wanted. We know him by wisdom because he asked God for this perfect gift. He says, I want a hearing heart. I, not a hearing ear, not a hearing mind, not a hearing body. I want a hearing heart. I want to be able to hear you here. I want it to come to me with all the emotion attached to it. I want it to come to me not as something I know. I want it to be something that I know and that that it's expressed out of the fullness of my heart. Solomon said, it's what I want. And it pleased God to hear that that's what Solomon wanted. We don't even expect to hear, largely. And we certainly don't ask for it the way that, that Solomon is asking for it so that I not only hear, but when I hear it, I have great understanding. I shared in Sunday school this morning, we were talking about prophecy and the need for it. What happens in the body if we don't have prophecy? And I shared this, I didn't share the names involved with it, but I shared a little bit of the, of the testimony because there's been a, a vision in this church that these aisles were treadmills running that way. And how hard it is, what a challenge it is to be a part of this body. And it is, I, I won't deny it. It's the teaching, the fact that it, We talk about things that are often not easy to talk about, that are different maybe than what people have heard before, and it is a challenge. But the vision that I'd never heard before until this past week was that I'm on that treadmill also and how challenging it is for me to stay on it. And I don't mind telling you it is. But last Sunday night, Max came and found me. He said he needed me for just a moment. We stepped into this room and he gave me this picture. And it was powerful. I know he didn't know all that he was telling me and all that connected with me. As I was sharing this morning in Sunday school several years ago when Rhea and Amanda first came, I was standing right back there on that side and Rhea was standing right here. She began to sing a song, a prophetic song. First time she'd opened her mouth singing and she began to sing, child, don't look into their faces, look into mine. And I stood back there and it took me about a minute as she was singing to realize that prophetic song was being sung over me. And I came and stood here as she continued to sing and let that song just penetrate. That God was saying, never look at the congregation. Never look out here to gain understanding. Don't look out here to find direction. Don't look out here. This is not the place. This is not the place where the controls are. Max saw that in this vision because I was on the treadmill, but instead of facing this way where all the controls were, to where actually anything could be done, I was facing backwards. What's the, what's the message? I'd once again let myself face you and let my heart be guided by what I saw you doing. It's an awful place for pastors to live. It's an awful place for pastors to believe that what I do every day is an adjustment to you. Because all the true controls, anything that was going to powerfully happen, had to be happen with me facing this way, had to be facing God, because he knows what's supposed to happen. Not you, I'm sorry. But I watched pastors do this. They adjusted the congregation, trying to come up with a new plan, a new way, something that would be pleasing and appealing to the congregation. No, I don't face you. I can't do this by looking into your faces. I can only do this by looking into his. Max saw that. 
and came and shared that with me. And he didn't know. He just told me what God had shown him. I knew exactly what was going on in that moment. Powerful moments. If we're willing to put ourselves in a position to hear with a hearing heart. I could have heard it, it meant nothing. I could have heard it and received it mentally. For it to make any difference, for it to release again freedom, power, authority, to to release the presence of God, it has to be received with a hearing heart. It's there that God brings joy. It's there he brings conviction. It's there he brings correction. It's there in that hearing heart. He gives us vision and clarity about where he's taking us. Prophetically releases truth. It's because we have a hearing heart. Solomon says, you want the difference that I saw? Ask for what I asked for. And it should please God. If we read a little further, and I'm not going to, we would come to the story about Solomon and the two women who have this child. And they both claim it. And he doesn't know which mom is the real mom of this baby. And God gives him, out of this understanding heart, God says, this is what I want you to do, is cut the baby in half. Give half to each mom. And the one who's truly the biological mom of this baby said, no, 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 give, it, give, give the baby to her. I'd much rather. And Solomon knew who the real mom was. You see, that wisdom was immediately expressed, and Solomon knew what I asked for came true. Now Solomon had many, many issues after this. Bad counsel. But in this moment, in this dream, there was a capsule of an amazing story that we need to take that capsule and we need to swallow it whole. There's such greatness in this story. If you want to find wisdom, if you want your prayer life to be invigorated, if you want everything that God has for you to begin to be fulfilled, ask him first for a hearing heart and it will set everything in motion. Most gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you tonight, Lord, for this powerful, powerful picture. It is truly an amazing one. And I thank you, Lord, that you just speak it over us and release in us. You know, as I heard this phrase this week, every one of us are in this process of walking with you. Whether we are just starting in it or whether we've been at it a long time, we're still all in this move, in this relationship with you. I pray, Lord, wherever we are, whether the newest or the most mature, that this would hit us in the place where we currently are so that we could recognize what Solomon was expressing. No matter where I am, for me to gain within this kingdom, for me to grow within what you have, and to actually step into the destiny that you have written, is contingent upon me having, asking for, and developing and maturing a hearing heart, with the expectation to hear in ways that would reach our heart, so that everything is expressed, knowledge expressed in love, joy, peace. It's wisdom. We just speak it over this body tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.